Record. Here's Dan Duran, everybody. The following episode is coming to you live from La Quinta, California and Panama City, Florida, and is brought to you by GigSky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, HealthGage, Canicabana, Doer, and our newest sponsor, GoDaddy. And now here are two men who have learned how to speak to Americans without mentioning truckers, Trumper mandates. It's Hoobly and Fred. Aw, there you go. Thank you, Dan Duran. Thank you, Dan Duran. Yeah, yeah. Dan Duran, uh, is, it, is it raining where you are? Is that what's happening? It's raining, yeah. It's raining in the, in the GTA Antipedero right now. The lake has uh, turned to just uh, water. So your snow bar has been uh, destroyed? It's uh, it's down to about a uh, quarter the size now. Oh, so. buddy. Listen, man. Hey, thoughts and prayers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. Thoughts and yeah, prayers for your snow bar. Yeah. Can yeah. back up a bit. The, the ice isn't out, though, is it? No. No, no. It's just uh, there's uh, the rain. It's been raining, and the snow yeah. has melted on the ice. So now it's oh, just uh, it. one big, you know, like glossy thing of water on top of okay. the ice. There we is, yeah. Well, it's you uh, there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've had a bit of a cold snap here too. It's going to be only 21 degrees. 21 cool degrees, although I'll tell you, considering the weather we had for the first seven days, we were in Southern California. It was very, very hot, and uh, now it's uh, a nice temperate uh, 20. Uh, And what about you in Panama City, Fred Patterson? Well, I golfed yesterday, and it was 21-22, brilliant sunshine, a gorgeous day. Finished the afternoon off with beers on the deck overlooking the ocean at Hooters. Yes, Hooters. Uh, yeah. The, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, where the lemon pepper wings are outstanding. I love those. I highly recommend them. Yeah, me too. But uh, still a lot of hooting going on at Hooters, believe me. What about, uh, how did you log that on your Noom journey? Oh, disaster. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, and and this isn't, we we did the Noom thing yesterday, but I am curious, is Hooters Wings on the Noom app somewhere? Or just chicken wings? But see, I ordered, what they, the reason I went there, they have the the oven baked wings, which are half the calories, uh, half the calories, and I didn't have a ton, so... You know, you gotta live, you gotta live. No, I know you do. Were there other options besides Hooters? Um, yeah, but the thing is, they have the spectacular deck. We sat there as the sunset. It was more for oh. ambience. We drove by as... I'm, I'm dense. I know that. We drove by a sign. Was it yesterday with the buffalo and the thing? Yeah. So we're driving along on our way to shopping, which is one of our little activities here. We went to grocery shopping at uh, a couple different spots. We went to Whole Foods, and then we went to Dirty Ralph's. And we passed this sign, and it's a, you know, it's a buffalo with wings. And I don't, I, I just sort of looked over. I, just, I was like, what's that? And she, she says, oh, that's, you know, buffalo wings. And I was like, oh, <laughs> so, is really? That bu- a, like a buffalo wild wing? Like a franchise? Not, no, it wasn't a wild wing. It was just a, it was a, a wing place. <laughs> with a, But the sign was a buffalo that had wings on it. And I didn't get it right away, but she got it. Oh. And I just felt dumb. Well, that's why it's good to have Rachel around. Oh, no. Oh, no. It was good to have Rachel around this morning when I was talking about how disinterested I am in the Canadian women's hockey game. And I believe the quote was, you sound like a dick. (laughs) I'm like, I was was just kidding. I was just having some fun with Fred. Well, I hope so. Oh, yeah. 
and we should get that out of the way because it's got to be acknowledged. The Canadian women beat the U.S. three to two last night to win gold at the Olympics. There's been seven uh, gold medal games since women's hockey was introduced, and Canada has now won five. And I'll tell you, I sat up and then I waited and waited after the game because I had to see them get their medals. And I'll tell you, I don't care, uh, boys, girls, men, women, in between, whatever. When they play that anthem and you see those kids singing, it chokes me up every time. Yeah. It still does. It really does. No doubt. And, and it's funny, whether it's curling or hockey or figure skating, mm-hmm. um, it makes you proud. Even though, I, again, it's hard for me. I don't know about you remotely because you watch the game. But does the Beijing Olympics in general seem like Canadians are more or less interested in it? I don't know. That's interesting. You say I was reading an article yesterday. No, it's way down. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the fact that a lot of the events are happening in the middle of the night. This is what I'm asking. And um, the fact that there's no fans, there's no fans at these games, are there? No, like the, there was some fans in the end zones last night, I noticed, but not down the sides. And uh, yeah, there's just a different feel because of COVID and the fact that they decided to hold it in a country that you know crushes people's human rights exactly you know they might want to rethink that one uh dan duran uh, before we let you go would, uh, now i was make i made a point that i just said to fred and rachel before the show that you know i don't know that i would have stayed up although i wouldn't have had to here would you were you even aware that the there was a gold medal hockey game last night yeah, no, I, I saw it on the headline because yeah, yeah. it showed up somewhere that that, that happened, and I think the, somewhere along the line, I, I noticed the uh, the uh, Canadian men's hockey team did not do well. No, they and lost. Uh, they lost. Yeah, okay, that is pretty much the entirety of my knowledge. No, I only, and I'm not putting you on the spot. I only ask. <clears throat> I only ask that's because all, that's all I know about the Olympics. Yeah, just I, I ask only in that the I think the average Canadian right now. Beside the fact that it's in China and that things are happening in the middle of the night, I think the average Canadian right now is consumed, or if they are aware of anything, it's this, you know, uprising of whatever we call it, the Occupy Canada. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. But I mean, it's selective. I mean, traditionally, women's hockey in the Olympics has become a big thing, like the world juniors. People ignore it all year long. For the most part, and then over Christmas, everybody becomes a junior hockey fan. No, of course, because of the uh, you know the the nationalism involved. And I think you know you're right. Generally, it's been a bore. But last night, it popped its head up because the girls were going for gold. And uh, we have a connection to somebody that's actually skating in the Olympics, but we're not allowed to talk uh, to them because uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a long story, everybody. Uh, Dan, we're going to let you go. We've got a uh, big show. Dan will be back for the news later on. Uh, Bill Brio joins us today. Our good friend Brett uh, Tanner from uh, the Chamber Plan will be here. And, of course, uh, we always always love hearing from you guys, Humble and Fred, at humbleandfredradio.com. That's how you get a hold of us. And... Um, you know, yesterday was an interesting day for us. We uh, had Tony Clement on the show, and uh, there was some reaction to his appearance. But first, let's start with our reaction to his appearance, and it started with an email you sent him. Yeah, because you and I had a conversation after the show saying, you know, we wouldn't lo- want to leave the impression that we attacked Tony, and we were so impressed that he came on the show and was willing to answer questions because a lot of people that, you know, aren't totally... 
against what's happening in Ottawa, don't want to answer the obvious questions that need to be asked. Anyway, Tony right. did. So after the show, I, I wrote him and I said, I hope it goes without saying how much we respect you, even more after today. You are honorable, honorable logical, and compassionate, exactly what our party needs. Now, I said our party. I wrote this. I can't speak for Howard, but that's what I said to him. The thought of Trudeau cruising to victory in the next election based solely on the direction of the conservatives sickens me. We all know what Trudeau is. What Canada needs is to find out what conservatives really are. And right now it's not pretty. Loving you, Frederick. So uh, I saw you wrote that. You copied me on it. Uh, I wrote him because I wanted him to understand it wasn't just you saying that, that it was echoed uh, sentiments that I supported. I said, Tony, yes to what Fred said and more. Very impressive stuff this morning, and it shows why you were in charge while we were making dick and fart jokes. <laughs> which, which I thought, it's not only funny, but it's true. You know, you think about that. And I said that to him like, Mm-hmm. Say, I don't care. And I know there are some of our listeners that are like, well, you guys can't believe you support Tony Clement. What about the time he did those things, which we all know was a mistake. And, and my response always is, okay, but very few people that I've ever had a chance to talk to, and uh, including, I include you in this, have been in the prime minister's office making mm-hmm. decisions of a grown-up nature. Mm-hmm. So I respect that. I don't care what something i know some things about his politics i'm not a big fan of but i just think it's interesting that guy was in the room yeah and you know you talk about the controversy he was through he owned it he owned it and you know you make the decision the guy owned it um do you respect that or not well that's your own decision and i think the way he owned that showed the integrity he has which was magnified yesterday by again coming on when he really didn't need to he yeah. said ah guys you know i don't want to get into that with you right now but he faced it so good on him uh I so like the man yeah i do too and and i liked him uh, we both talked as you said we talked about it after the show and um so he wrote us back saying thanks to both of you for your kind words This is an actual email from Tony Clement. You are men of class and insight, and it's always a thrill to be on your show. I consider you friends and colleagues now, and I hope you do as well. Chat soon. And he signs it, the Honorable Tony Clement. And I was thrilled to hear that because he's got a pretty nice place up there in uh, the Muskokas. And I feel that now that we're colleagues and friends, maybe he'll let me slide into his cottage for a week this summer. Save yourself two or three grand. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. It's expensive up there. Mm-hmm. It's expensive everywhere now. Oh, I know. Hi guys. Hi guys. Hi guys. So that was uh, our uh, back and forth with Tony, and now uh, here's a few people that had. Uh, you want to go right? Just go right to the very top. It says re Tony Clement. That's the first one. Okay. Uh, yes, uh, this is uh, Tom from Kobe. Uh, yeah he's from uh, he lives in japan Japan? yeah yes just wanted to say how impressed i was with tony clement i am not a conservative voter but he did such a good job supporting the conservative party while taking on all questions and criticisms uh nice job dude that's from tom well said Mm -hmm. uh very nice hi guys hi guys Uh, here's one hi guys 
Uh, to Humble and Fred, great podcast on February 16th. That's yesterday. I love when you two get political. Today, you two did not fuck around. Sorry, guys, but usually you soften a bit and let the guest off the hook, in my opinion. Today, capital letters, no. Today, you really took it to Tony. Actually, he was a little sheepish right from the beginning of the interview. I don't know why. I found it interesting when Fred suggested that perhaps the conservatives could have simply showed a unified front to support the liberals for the good of the country. I, I agree, but I, it's a bit naive, I think, to, I'm talking as Howard now, I, I think it's a bit naive to think they were ever going to do that. M- maybe there was a time, maybe there was a time when the conservatives for the better of, or parties for the better of the country, I'm going off this email now, because, no, no, but back to what you and I were talking about mm-hmm. before the show. There might have been a time when the opportunity for all the pol- the political parties to come together for the betterment of the country, and that time was 24 months ago when all of this began. Yeah. But I, I don't... I mean, I think it's a nice thought that maybe the conservatives strategically would have been better off as opposed to strategically yeah. somewhat supporting this. Yeah, anyway. like I... Yeah, I just, I don't get it again. Being naive, just saying, you know, Mr. Trudeau, we disagree with your fiscal policy, your social, your social policy, the way you're handling inflation. But when it comes to the country, its security and its integrity, we stand with you. Don't you think a lot of people would feel better? Well, <laughs> today? yeah, but I mean... I know it's naive. They're not. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you, we could, there's, a, there's a dozen situations that could have been made better by politicians mm-hmm. not using the last 24 months for political purposes because you know and I, and I know i say this as a joke that the only thing that can save us is alien intervention and the reason i say it is because what what the planet needs is something to unify us mm-hmm. again yeah. that that's naive Mm-hmm. Because if what happened the last 24 months and what happened in America the last five or six years, if that didn't bring people together in a common purpose, if you will, mm-hmm. like I don't know what a, a global pandemic separated us as opposed to making us go, you know, like, let's fight through this. Mm-hmm. No, I get it. What I, you know, and I said this yesterday and uh, you echoed it. I never want to become that guy who just regardless of what my team does, I I stand behind them. You want to, when it comes to politics in your country, you want to choose what you think is better for everyone. I I don't want to ever be one of those team players that's really destroyed the United States because it just, you know, Republican, yes. Democrat, no, regardless of the issue. I don't want to become that guy. And through this, what surprised me, and I've become pleasantly surprised by myself and you in, in as well, is the fact I find myself defending and agreeing with Justin Trudeau a lot. And it's like, wow, you know, <laughs> like that, that makes, that actually makes me feel good because it's like, yeah, I'm not, maybe I'm not one of those people, you know, I just, you look at what's in front of you and make a decision. Well, I think one of the reasons you're not one of those people is because the people that we know that are like those people are they they've become well we can see them for what they are. Well, listen, before all this began, we were friends with some guys that don't want to be associated with us anymore. You know, one of them was a very good friend of mine. 
another one, you know, a, a guy that we used to have on the show. You mentioned him a couple times this week as a talk show guy that used to be happy to come on our show. And we, you know, we weren't quite as conservative as he, but you know, ultimately we could enjoy one another's company and, and now they don't want to have, they don't want to have these conversations. No. So that's kind of sure. indefensible. And, and yes. And what that's done is it's kind of shown us and people like us that are a bit more centrist. It's shown us what, what being a team player looks like. And it's sort of shitty and it kind of reminds, you know, you want to talk about, yeah. I'm so tired of people throwing around Nazi Germany mm-hmm. But it it yeah. sort of shows you what happens when countries start to crumble. It be, it's because the citizens no longer trust each other and the mm-hmm. government. <clears throat> you know, a bittersweet part of this is as well. Um, again, this isn't disagreeing with somebody on, you know, abortion or gay rights or, you know, Ma- of, yeah, or legalizing marijuana. Marijuana. This is different. This is security. This is the country. This is integrity. And the thing is, what it has done is expose certain people that you interact with and let you know exactly the type of person they are. And it raises the flag like, you know what? I really I'm not sure I want to associate with that person anymore because deep inside, that's not the type of person that I want to be around. And I mean, as I say, bittersweet, it's like it's too bad it's come to that. But at the same time. Now you have a good read on those that are around you. Well, that's what I, I, and you, I, yeah, I agree. And and, yeah, you can pick <coughs> and choose who you want in your life. And, uh, you know, it's sad, but I don't know. Well, like I said, um, you know, <clears throat> what we're learning is because of, you know, uh, you know, you look back at history and you think, okay, why did this, why did this happen? Why did World War II happen? Why did you know, other huge events in, in countries' timelines happen. It happened because you lose two things. Trust in the government and trust in each other is mm-hmm. what is what destroys um, democracies. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, we have a bunch of people in Canada now, and I, I said this to you before the show, that, um, you know, and I said it on the, on the program on Monday about the end of the innocence, but we now realize we've got people in Canada that are just like those people we thought were only in the States. We're as polarized as they are. And this last month has showed us just how apart we are and, and politically and, you know, with the people in, in the other parts of the country. It's, it's pretty revealing. And again, the whole basis of what we're going through, there's, you know, it's, it's based in evil. I'm sorry. It just is. And that's why I reject it. It's just there at the, at the very heart, it's evil. And you know, um, on your point about being like Americans, I saw an interview yesterday. It was a woman and they were asking about her, you know, she's part of the occupation of Ottawa. We're not going anywhere. And, uh, a cop comes up and said, move along or something. She said, you better watch what you're doing, because if you if you do anything against us, the American military military is going to come up and arrest you. That's what she said. The American military is going to come up and arrest you. Yeah, this is what you're dealing with. I know well, and that's this what, is what you're dealing with. And, and this is my point that we're finding out. Because for the, you know, for the longest time, I had this feeling of smug superiority mm-hmm. that we didn't have those people here, but we do. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I got to read uh, Brother Bill's email here. But anyway, okay. thanks. Uh, just, just quickly, yeah. thanks to John Latimer. And he, he goes on to say, you know, fuck these goddamn politicians. Uh, when can they ever accept that sometimes for the good of the country, they need to back each other up, which was your mm-hmm. point, our point. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to John. Uh, let me just get one last little bit here. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. And uh, finally, Brother Bill checks back in because I had asked you. I, I, I think I, he had emailed me and then I had asked you on the show about him changing his name. He said, hey, glad you enjoyed um, the email him, whatever. And he says, FYI, I did change my name back to my real name when I moved to Vancouver in 2004. It was an easy call because down the hallway at Rock 101 was the morning man, Brother Jake Edwards. We all remember him from when he worked in Toronto years ago. He came down on my first day, this is to Brother Bill, and asked if I was going to go with Bro Bill. I told him out of respect I would use my real name. He appreciated it, so I changed my name back to Humble Neil Morrison. <laughs> you see, it's a little joke there that he did. <laughs> so uh, I, may be, I may be biased, but I think uh, Jake should have changed his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he should have. Um on that point, Brother Jake and uh, Jerry Forbes were doing a podcast, and like a lot of others, they got off to a good start, but I noticed they haven't had a, an episode in two oh, no? or three months. They <laughs> really? Were, they, were quick, they were quick out of the gate, but I think uh, maybe uh, they're enjoying their uh, winter in the sun too much to be podcasting. But we're showing it can't be done. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, doing this thing over and over again isn't easy. You know, and a lot of people. Yeah. But speaking of which, in a few minutes' time, we're gonna we're gonna acknowledge one of our friends and colleagues, and the guy that produces this show. We're gonna acknowledge his uh, milestone because, as you point out, you know, a lot of big time broadcasters say, "Oh, I'm gonna do a podcast." <laughs> Mm-hmm. And then it's fun for the first 10 episodes or 8 episodes or 15 episodes. But when you start having to produce it all the time, it's a, it's a job, man. Mm-hmm. Um, before we move on from Ottawa, you have that audio. Yeah, I got that, it right in here. That great Canadian who had had enough and came out onto his balcony to speak to the uh, dum-dum uh, fighters. So this is from a, a listener, Brad Urbanowitz. Brad, thanks for emailing us with this audio. So this is basically a guy outside of his apartment yelling at the protesters. Hey, just to make sure it's clear. Fuck you. Shut up. Shut up and go fuck yourself. Fuck you and fuck you. I don't give a fuck, man. I don't give a fuck about you. Go the fuck home. Nobody fucking cares about your bullshit. Walk around with your fucking tailgate party and your goddamn nonsense. Nobody fucking cares. Exactly. Put your fucking damn away. Shut up your fucking ass. Okay. Okay. Fuck, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. There, you gotta get my fucking statement last time? Fuck off. Go fuck yourself. There you go. That's what There's a lot a of Canadians <laughs> that's what a that's what a lot of Canadians think of it. Good for him, man. <laughs> yeah. It was great. All right. We're off to a, a rousing start. We're going to talk about Prince Andrew at some point. He's settling, you know, because that's what you do when you're innocent. And also, if we can, we've got the uh, Yellowstone actor who is not going to get vaccinated and walk the red carpet. And if we have time, there's a funny Trump story. Uh, Bill Brio is going to talk TV. And in a second or two, Toronto Mike will join us 
a little earlier than he normally does on Thursdays. But first, Freddie, what about these lovely people? Well, the retirement Sherpa in particular, uh, the retirement Sherpa. Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Timmy was on the show yesterday. More great information. You know about couples and their finances. And are you in tune? Do you know what each other is doing? If you have separate accounts or separate, uh, you know, plans uh, for the future. You know, he, he talked about a lot of people uh, when one of the spouses dies, the other one change and changes investors because they weren't quite sure they were both on the right track. Anyway, it was very interesting. And if uh, you fall into this category and you've thought about, you know, how you're investing with your mate, you might want to talk to Tim, uh, the retirement Sherpa.ca. He'll lay it all out for you because that's what he does. Both sides of the border. Uh, retirement Sherpa.ca. A couple days ago, we talked to another Tim, Tim Daniels from HealthGage.com. Of course, by now you understand that the HealthGage is really a cost-effective monitoring system for your overall health, especially as you get older and you want to know, you know, what is your blood pressure? How's your heart rate working? How many calories are you burning? It's a uh, watch. It is also a paired device. The app is great. You look at your phone. You can get all kinds of data. And right now, uh, you can also get an amazing break on this price. Normally, we offer 15% off at checkout. But right now, and I'm just going to keep checking this every day for you, the BOGO sale, as we found out, buy one, get one sale is on now. Buy one, get one free. That's free. It's half price right now. If you were ever thinking about supporting this program, uh, we appreciate it, by the way. But if you were ever thinking about supporting the program and or getting the watch that Fred and I and many Humble and Fred listeners have, it's more than just a timepiece. It's a way to keep track of your overall health and wellness. HealthGage.com. Uh, go check out the BOGO sale that is on right now. Uh, here comes the uh, he's giddy I'm sure he's giddy because like unlike a lot of people that do you know one or two podcasts he, he I don't know uh, shortly after we started and Toronto Mike of course instrumental in getting this podcast started shortly after he announced he was going to start a podcast but like yeah. a lot of people you think okay well as you just mentioned, Brother Jake and a few others, we know a lot of broadcasters that are, you know, have put out 10 podcasts and stopped or 20 and stopped or did it for a year and stopped. But not this character, not this fella. A thousand. Look at him. Look at him. A thousand episodes ago, this sweet angel started a, 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 a movement. And now it numbers in the thousands. We consider ourselves FOTMs. Please welcome to this program, Toronto Mike. And it's all your fault. You know that, right? This is all your fault. How'd you like that? We, we, is it cool that, that we're friends of Toronto Mike as well as your employers? Oh, man. Uh, FOTMs for life. Yeah, and again, baby. thank you guys so much for your contribution to episode 1000. I played your bit really, really, really early because I knew Fred would bail pretty quickly. So I had to make sure. Uh, <laughs> you guys are in the first like 20 minutes. All right. Well, I'm going to check it out. 
And what are we doing? Singing, dancing, what? Well, you what don't remember? You recorded, uh, you recorded we something We recorded special. a little thing, something special for him. Oh, oh my goodness, right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, it was very heartfelt. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was from the heart, Mike. Now I remember, Honestly, now I remember that. Now you yeah. remember. Honestly, it was lovely, and I could tell it was sincere. And this whole experience of putting together episode 1000, which is a bit of a beast, has been really like... I don't know, surreal and therapeutic, and it's been like such an adventure because people literally, like, I asked guests to send in a clip, and the nicest pieces of audio have come into my inbox over the last month, and it's been quite the ride. So, thank you guys for inspiring Toronto Mike. And uh, yes, episode 1000 dropped this morning. You can find it right now. So, uh, just for some uh, context and congratulations, if I hadn't said that, uh, we started on uh, in October of 2011 mm-hmm. and uh, when was the first toronto miked episode august 2012 really so it wasn't very long after and you had you know no broadcast experience other than being a fan of radio and you know i'm not saying that as a negative but i mean a lot of people started podcasts back in 2012 that stopped them in 2012 <laughs> you know no, they stopped them in september of 2012 I was thinking of those, uh, your buddy who said, you know, nine out of 10 businesses fail in their first year because Humble and Fred has been a successful business now for over 10 years. I wonder like what percentage of companies can say that. But I think for podcasting, it's like, I would say just anecdotally that nine out of 10 podcasters bail in the first 10 episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah I, I think you're right. I- are you talking generally or former broadcasters? Or I, I think no, generally. Above. Yeah. yeah. Uh, generally, I, I was referring to, but why? What yeah. do you think? Former broadcasters? No, no, no. I, well, I, I think the problem with former broadcasters, and we've talked about this, is you're so used to having everything done for you yeah. and the paycheck dropping right. into your bank account every two weeks. All of a sudden, you have to do the stuff, and the, right. and the money ain't there at the beginning, so... They bail out of impatience. But, Mike, I would say it's not. Yes to what Fred said. And and part of the reason it's tough for former broadcasters, especially if you're like Brother Jake and Jerry Forbes and Jesse and Gene and all these people. And I would put us in that category because we've said we've told those stories about early on. We were like, didn't we used to have people do all this stuff for us? But I would say, Mike, it's not just former broadcasters because I can name four or five stand ups that we gave the studio to. That I either sent your way or Phil produced them, and they did five episodes, and then we never heard from them again. Because ultimately, whether you do a thousand or you do one, you find out it's not that easy. It's not easy to keep going after the novelty of it wears off. Well, two things. One is it's a lot of damn work. It's really hard work. And then two, it's not particularly lucrative, especially off the top. Like, you know, when you find out this is a lot of time and energy spent for something that's not making me much money, if anything, at first, it's easy to bail. It's easy to quit. Yeah. Um, What's impressive about you is the sort of... uh you know, what do you call it? Just the, the business you've built is not only a podcast, it's also producing, it's also a blog, it's so you're you're covering a lot of angles that all all funnels into like a revenue stream, which is quite impressive. Now, this episode I just dropped this morning is very, very long and I know Fred oh, is it? uh, it's very long. But how long I will just say how people, long is it? It's I'm embarrassed to tell you because I no, know No, no, tell us. Is it over three hours? Yes. How how long is it? 
I don't. I'm embarrassed. People. I don't want to say it. I just want to tell you this though. The first, the <laughs> okay. First okay, Joe minutes, Rogan. How long is the episode? The first thirty minutes is the origin story, which you guys are a key spoke in that wheel, and that's why you're up early because I basically explain how this happened like how the hell am i here now talking about episode 1000 and there's these certain like building blocks along the way and humble and fred in 20 2006 you guys at dan duran's house the very first podcast what a monumental moment that is in uh, my superhero origin story Mm. like wow so you guys are i just want to say thank you okay so so this 1000th is it like broken down into like five episodes or something that stretches over what most podcasters would do that and it's against my uh, religion so i want to well okay length aside i want to get back to what we're talking about in terms of how you know, you've made this into a business, which is impressive. And, and, you know, let's pat ourselves on the back because really, and Mike and I and Fred know some of the metrics and the monetary, um, you know, how tough it is to make money at this. There aren't very many podcasters in this country. And, and we're two of them. Uh, that make money doing a podcast only. Think about that. Like, that's a really small list because there are people that do it right. as a passion project. I, I, for example, like I do this golf podcast called Swing Thoughts. It's produced by Humble and Fred. Now, I would do that, and, and I've, I've had this conversation. I had it with Lumby. I've had it with other broadcasters where, where I say, I would do that show even if there was no sponsorship associated with it because I just enjoy it. The reason I'm saying this is I think when you began in August of 2012, you you wanted to do a a podcast because you enjoy radio and you enjoy broadcasting and you were going to do it because you had a regular job. You had another job. Uh, I guess the point I'm trying to make is it's also very special that you've been able to turn it into, as Fred said, not just a, a, a passion project, but a business that's made you money. Well, thank you. Uh, really, it's just I'm, I'm too stupid to quit. I think that's mm-hmm. my secret. Sometimes no, that's you, what it takes, man. And you love what you do. And remember, guys, I mean, patting ourselves on the back, you too, Mike. You know, it's no different than when we were in terrestrial radio. Content is king. It's right. one thing to do a podcast, even, you know, the mechanics of it. But the content's got to be there. Nobody's going to listen to the goddamn thing. And I think a lot of people that have attempted to do podcasts, former broadcasters and stuff, you know, coming on and just rehashing their career, that doesn't have a lot of legs, man. You got to be current. You got to talk about what's going on now. You have to have perspective. And it gets back to what you said, Mike. It's a, that's a lot of work. You know, you can't just talk, turn on the mic and talk about, hey, remember 20 years ago? And it's nice to have some of that. But that's just, you know, that's fringe, really, if you want if you want, want this thing to have legs. Wouldn't you agree, fellows? Absolutely. Go ahead, Howard. Well, um, yeah. Well, like, and, and listen, the first few months of our show back in 2011, we had some ex-broadcasters on. You know, our motivation, as we've said a thousand times, was that we were going to do this thing called a podcast with an eye, hopefully, that radio people would remember that we were a pretty good morning show and eventually hire us. Uh, the fact that it's turned into this through all the serious exams and the radio syndication and being on Bell and all that stuff. In the end, the reason, and I'm going to, this is a compliment for Mike. The reason we're doing this now in the form that we're doing it in is because of you. Because even before we quit, got fired from radio for the last time, you had been encouraging us to just drop it. 
to just be the podcast, just be guys that do a podcast. Because for the longest time, we resisted that thinking, well, that's a bit scary. And how are we going to do it just on our own? But your encouragement from almost the moment you took over producing the show, you Mm -hmm. wanted us to just do this. So fire radio on that note, fire radio. So you just praise me, which I appreciate. And I want to praise you for a moment because if you step back, this week to me is a very important week for Humble and Fred because if I had told you 10 and a half years ago when you were were mapping out the roadmap, what are we going to do, the blueprint and everything, if I said to you, one day, Howard can be in California, Fred Mm. can be in Florida, you won't miss a fucking beat. Like the show will be the same. And mm-hmm. it will be great, and the uh, Hundy Peas will love it, and you'll have on guests, and you'll mm-hmm. have sponsors. And if I told you that, you might have said, yeah, yeah, right. But here we are, man. Like, this is a big week for you guys. Listen, let me tell you something about that yeah. and how this has evolved. I got that little snowball microphone, and Howard, to his credit, and he encouraged me many times. and said, you know, if the weather's bad, just do the show from home. Mm-hmm. I was nervous to do it just from home. Right. I really was. And there was a couple of mornings maybe I should have stayed home and I got in the car. But then I forget what storm or what the situation was. I did one from home, and I thought, this feels pretty comfortable. But I still wasn't totally sold on it. You know, it took COVID and mm-hmm. this... In this um, in this whole Zoom world, to really open that door for me, because honestly, I was scared. It just didn't feel right, and now it does. You know, and we've said we, you know, we bought that beautiful studio, and we haven't used it in two years, and maybe we'll never use it again, other than Howard just sitting there. You well, know? you know, it's funny you say that because for the longest time, Mike, when we were real radio guys, whenever we were doing this, whether it was in another country or we had to do a remote broadcast. You know, the, the Christmas show accepted, but whenever our radio station would say, hey, you guys are broadcasting from this remote location, Fred and I fucking hated it. Do you remember this? They had yeah. us, there was one morning that Fred and I were doing the Humble and Fred show on the edge from the common area at the University of Toronto, freezing at 5 a.m. Outside. Outside. Yeah. The point I'm making is that we used to, we used to hate being away from the studio. And now I had this conversation with somebody about this particular situation saying what it's shown us the last 24 months. It's shown us that we can do the, the show the, and it sounds fine. It's fine. Yep. It's, it becomes kind of the way you do it. I mean, we haven't done a show in a studio together in almost two years. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I found yeah. a song that fits this uh, segment here. If you guys remember this, hang on. Yeah, baby, a little fat boy slim. Remember this song? Of course, Ron Cook. Absolutely. Praise you. And that's what we're doing. We're pr- here to praise the great Toronto Mike, episode 1000 on Boom 97.3. There you go. Hit the fucking post and everything. It's fucking. Boone. <laughs> so that's it. Uh, Before I uh, disappear and uh, make way for Bill Brio, who can also be heard on episode 1000. Oh, yeah. By the cool. way, big names. Like, a lot of big names on 1000, so I hope people do check it out because it starts with Humble and Fred and gets smaller. But it, there's a lot of big names on that program. But I do have a winner of the Doer do Oh, pants. yes. Uh, yeah. Thank you for that. The, uh, no, I'm going to, uh, Mike, I'll listen today, but I might just fast forward to hour five, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I'll tell you what. 
Can you, is it, it what, though. I, 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 what, is good. hang on a second, Fred, what's the Bodog over under on it being longer than four fucking hours? I don't know. That's funny. Take me over. Um, okay, doer.ca, we've been uh, trying to get people uh, involved in this pants promotion. Today's the last day. Thanks for uh, reminding me. This is a, Mike just put on his producer hat. Uh, we've registered a bunch of people. Thank you very much for entering. And uh, thank you very much for uh, Doer's support. This will be the last day. And Mike, who is our final Doer Pants winner? So quick insight into how I do this. I, I basically copy all the comments. I put it into an Excel spreadsheet. And then I go to the Google randomizer number between 1 and 256 or whatever. And then it spits out a number. I go to that number in the spreadsheet. And what whoever's comment is that number is the winner. So I hope I say this gentleman's name correctly. The winner, the random winner of the Doer Pants is Brian... Reichart. Okay. Now, Pick this is the grand prize Brian. winner. I'm sorry, Freddie. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying congratulations, Brian. Yeah, congratulations, Brian. And Mike, is this the actual uh, grand prize winner? This is the winner today. Uh, I was not privy to the uh, details as to what we're giving away, but uh, Brian well, is Brian is our great. Well, we're going to say this. We we, uh, we we qualified a bunch of people, and Brian uh, gets the uh, pairs of pants. He gets the toque. He gets the whole thing. And uh, again, once again, thanks to uh, Doer.ca. And, th- and Mikey, yeah. uh, I will try and uh, get... I mean, I'm only here for another two and a half weeks, so I don't know if I have... An, I'll be able to... If I listen to an hour a day, will I get through... <laughs> will I get through yeah. the podcast just that i kind of like there's big names off the top and then there's big names at the end and there's big names in the middle mm. it's just full of like interesting people that you know and love and uh, people you haven't thought about in a while it's just it's just chock full of people's you know recordings for this episode it's pretty it meant a lot to me my mo- monica my wife said uh, I, I didn't like i'm not telling you the length because it's so long i'm embarrassed to say but she said no one's gonna listen to that no one's gonna listen to that and then i realized as i built it and it took weeks to build by the way because it's such a monster i realized it's okay if nobody listens. Like episode thousand is for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, the nine hundred and ninety nine before that were for you, and this one's for me. Listen, man, and who? No one's harmed by it. So yeah, right. Just, it's there. Yeah. Listen or not? Yeah, and, no, really? And and and, and joking aside, Mike, it's quite a it's a phenomenal achievement. And I don't know how many others like we you know we joke here on the Humble and Fred show that we're the most uploaded podcast in Canadian podcast history. But I got to right. tell you. You're not far behind. I know that, you know, it doesn't matter how many we've done. There are very, very few people, almost, what I don't even know what the percentage would be, Mike, that have done a thousand podcasts. I'm talking, forget Canada. I'm talking around the world that would have bothered to, and, and I'll tell you, nobody's done it on their own. And you can fart on the microphone once a day for a few years and get to episode 1000. Fred, that's an idea for a spin-off uh, podcast. <laughs> okay. But, that's like, great. I will say, like, I put a lot of, like, uh, blood, sweat, and tears into each one of those thousand. Like, a lot of thought, a lot of homework, a lot of research. I try to be the Brian Linehan of podcasting here. And again, you guys lit the spark, and then uh, here we are a thousand episodes later. So thank you for inspiring me. And I hope people do check out episode mm-hmm. thousand, especially that first half hour, which talks right. a lot about humble and friends. Well, listen, Brian Linehan died young, though. Uh, yeah, pretty young. Yeah. In his fifties, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't good. Anyway. Well, anyhow, listen, my friend, uh, Toronto Mike, thank you very much, and, and check out episode one thousand. 
And uh, we've got Bill Brio here, who is also okay. part of that episode and this episode. Go ahead, one. Yeah. Do you want me to just quickly shout out the guests next week? No, uh, it's fine. Really we, we don't. The, 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 oh. This is only a special. We don't need to do it. We, we, today was okay. about you. It's about you, Mike. About yeah. and and Mike. Um. Yeah, we don't need to worry about next week for now. Although we will say there's no show on Monday because we respect family day too much. Right. That's important. Bill Brio and I went to the same high school. That will be my last word before okay. I disappear from the Zoom. Very Fantastic. good. Why, there's Bill Brio now. Nope. Still trying to get his mic to work. Well, let me tell you that uh, Bill Brio is the GigSky guest of the day, uh, brought to you by GigSky, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today for Android or iOS. Yeah, I do. Uh, da- Download the GigSky app, enter code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. GigSky.com. Uh, I'd also like to... Um I don't know what Brio... <laughs> Can you hear me, Howard? Yeah, yeah, easy there, fella. Easy there, fella. Yelling. Sorry about that. That's all right. I, I, I was just... It's, no, well, it's too know. loud. It's too loud, Bill. You got to find some way to turn it down. It's okay. okay. Um, there you go. Or, or just better? back off it a little bit. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I, was just, I just looked I, up at one point and I saw your, your computer was showing something else. Made me laugh. I apologize. I just wanted to confirm that Mike and I did go to separate schools together. Okay. Uh, if there is a... Could you just turn your mic down about 15%? Just the volume. It's a bit... It's a bit aggressive. And just and just pause. Give me a little mic check now there. All right. Hold on one second here. Let me... All right. Well, those, is that any better? Yeah, that's better. Thank you. What's your mic on? A box of adult diapers or something? <laughs> that's what I couldn't figure out. What is that? It's, it's on a uh, a box that was a some network sent me, and it was to promote the show I Love Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't figure I'm out. Kidding. Look, look. No, I can see it. But when you're okay. when when you when you were fiddling with your mic, I just didn't know what that was. I thought it was Bill got his diapers out this morning. You can uh, never be too sure. You, know? you can never be too sure. Listen, man, I got to take a leak right now. So that's where I'm at. Um, by, before we uh, move on, though, I want to tell you that this program is also brought to you by Canna Cabana, Fred. Um, really, some of the best cannabis at the lowest prices. This isn't cheap stuff. This isn't like some you know skunk weed that Bill you were smoking back in high school, back in the seventies. This is your one. <laughs> this is your one stop cannabis shop with over one hundred. Uh, shops across stores across the country. If you want the highest THC for the lowest prices, Canna Cabana is where you find it. The largest selection of name brand accessories as well, all at up to 70% off. Canna Cabana Club members save up to 70% off every day. Shop their unbelievable, unbeatable, and unbelievable cannabis catalog. Uh, go to CannaCabana.com. All right, Bill is here. Hey, Billy. Hey, Howard. And listen, uh, I wanted to add my voice to congratulate uh, Toronto Mike. I, do, I just can't believe someone made a podcast episode that was longer than The Irishman, though. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem right. I don't know. Yeah, he won't. You know, you know, it. listen, the guy normally does a couple of things. He'll do he'll do podcasts that are like three hours long. If he's not telling us how long it is, I, I, yeah. I can't even imagine. Uh, it's It's over five hours. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, no, but uh, you know, I think at the, at the end of it, they should go to Ed McMahon to go to the big board to see how he, how Jerry's kids are doing. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long podcast. Um, 
Well, listen, man, it's it's good to, and you were part of it, and, and you've been part of this show, and it, it's interesting because, it's, you know, subtly, not so subtly maybe, that Bill Brio is amongst the people that have pushed through, because when Bill approached us, and, and I think Phil, is Phil still pr- producing your podcast? He, he is doing a fine job. Fantastic. I couldn't be happier. Now, you're, you're getting up to uh, a couple of three years of doing this, haven't you? I'm in the third year of it, Howard. You're right. And, uh, you know, I, I owe it to you guys. It was your suggestion. And uh, I really um, it was so uh, rewarding. I just enjoy speaking to these folks. I mean, I'm on episode uh, 59. <laughs> and it seems like a thousand. I, I don't know how uh, Mike did it, but uh, hats off to him. That's an incredible achievement. It really is. You know, Fred, um, Tim O'Connor, who I produce the, uh, the Swing Thoughts podcast with, you know, we've been doing it. I think this is our sixth year and we're only up to episode 187 because mm-hmm. I don't do it every day. We do it in the golf season every week. So for about 15 weeks and then in the off season, every other week or so, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and that's 187 episodes. And, and besides doing this show, that's a lot of episodes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, Mike doing a thousand of them. And he made a good point. He's not just farting into the mic every episode. It's a real he puts effort into it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we kid him about it being long. But, man, he sits down there and he gets these people on. You know, and yeah, I mean, I think I've been on with him three times, and what's fun for me is one of them we just talked about Cloverdale Mall. You know, like it was uh, nostalgic for me to dig into my past growing up in Etobicoke, and uh, Mike and I did go to Michael Power, the same high school, so we had that in common. So it wasn't about television, so it was fun for me to uh, jump in and, and do it that way. Yeah, and the length of the show, like, obviously there's an audience for it because he's thriving. So yeah, it, no, exactly. Fantastic. If you have the time for a long podcast, I, I know he doesn't do it daily, but hey, proof's in the pudding. He's doing well. Well, I'll tell you what, though. He has, I, I don't think he was doing it, you know, daily, you know, to begin with. But I think he's, you know, he's, he's putting them up there uh, pretty regularly. Um, more than he used to. Like, I think he's up to like three or four episodes a week. Uh, let's talk about uh, something that came up this morning already, Bill, which was Olympic coverage and, you know, the fact that it's in China, that it's, you know, there's this, you know, occupied Canada. Uh, but one of the things you want to talk about is the, is the, is anyone watching the, the Beijing Olympics and, and what, what are the television numbers like? Well, they're way down. Uh, I know with the opening ceremonies, NBC was down about 43% from uh, Pyeongchang four years earlier. And in Canada, CBC was down 25%. Um, You know, the CBC opening ceremonies, they replayed them that night in prime time and uh, drew less than a million, about 900 and some odd thousand. So uh, they're definitely down. Now, all of television is down in four years. Uh, everything, uh, you know, the recent Super Bowl was up, which was, uh, an anomaly, really. Like mm-hmm. everything else that's a big draw, like the Oscars or the Grammys, down, down, down. So, um, 
But I do think there's a many, many reasons. It's almost like uh, it is the perfect storm against NBC with these games. The time zone, I don't think that's such a big deal. People are trained now. There was games from Tokyo, games mm-hmm. from... So it's other factors. And uh, I think part of it is China. I think that there are a lot of folks who just... Think of the two mics, or uh, mm-hmm. in the United States, all the human right abuses, and um, and they just uh, uh, that's one factor. And the other is the Olympics should be this perfect distraction from the mm-hmm. pandemic that we've sat through, and we're looking for anything to celebrate now. And along come these games, but what do you see? You see athletes wearing masks or masking up after mm-hmm. figure skating or masking to play hockey. And I think there's a lot of Americans in particular who look at that and go, I I, I, I don't want to see that. <laughs> I tuned in for something other than that, right? Yeah. Do you think the IOC will ever learn Like, no, seriously, but why? Why would they put the games in China? You know, it's a lot of backroom deals. It's cash stuffed in in envelopes going to. I mean, that's the way this this whole thing works. And you're you're right. Like, I know my wife in particular, she's not that enthused this year, but just because of where it is. Like, why would you do that? And you know, it's so unfair to the athletes, but because of course they want to go. This is a once in a lifetime chance for a lot of them. So they're going to go. They're going to, you know, forget about the politics of it, but it should have never happened in the first place. No. And I think that the cynicism goes beyond that with the Russian figure skater and, uh, you know, that she's found to have, uh, these banned substances, and yet she can still win that event. She can mm-hmm. still skate for a medal. Uh, the idea that Russia was literally the state was endorsing uh, doping, so their f- big fine was that they couldn't play under the name Russia. Yeah, yeah exactly. The ROC. So no, I, I, I just think the cynicism is like, what are we doing? Why are exactly. we putting even these young athletes? Now it's more of a concern. You've got 15, 16 year olds who. Uh, the stress of all of this is getting to them. It just seems to be out of the temper of the times. And I was going to say that, having watched American television down here, even, that's a great word, cynicism, that uh, it just seems hollow now, the sort of, you know, the dogma, the jingoistic, you know, the USA. And it right. even seems a little bit out of out of touch in a weird way, like because where because of where it is and also because of what's been happening, I think, in the world the last 24 months. It's almost like the Olympics are an aside because when you because when everyday life is so you know, fraught with uh, uncertainty. Do you really, does it really matter anymore? Again, Canada winning gold aside last night. How much of it does it, does it matter to the countries involved other than China making some deal to have the Olympics in their country? It's true. And I think the American team came, entered the stadium, the uh, bird's nest there chanting USA. And that brand is damaged right now that's what i'm talking about not the chant you want to be doing um the other thing that's interesting is when if you watch nbc's coverage you have mike uh mike tarico tarico who's terrific i I love mike tarico yeah he see is a great announcer there's a lot of nfl Uh, but the opened the opening ceremonies there's mike and he's flanked by these two uh somber looking academics and they were literally hired 
to explain China to uh, NBC's viewers and basically <laughs> go through the sins of all the, uh, the human rights abuses and tisk tisk. And uh, the, these two did just that. And uh, so and then you had, uh, you know, the commentators, most of them aren't there. It's all by remote yeah. like we're doing right now. And um, so you had Samantha Guthrie from the Today Show coming in also tisk tisking from Connecticut about China and they set this up as you know you can watch these games if you want but you know there's it's not a great thing and now here we go let's go to the opening ceremonies <laughs> no and, i know and, and i just think that nbc shot themselves in the foot the the hilarious thing is that uh Tirico, uh, he announced that these two would be throughout the games they were going to be commentating all the time. And I guess NBC felt they had a news obligation to be, you know, honest about what was going on, to put it in context. But I've never seen these two again. They're in some jail in, in Beijing right now. <laughs> they have never been seen again. I think NBC felt we overdid it. And we, we poured too much cold water on this whole thing before we even started. And now they're suffering for it. I, I yeah. might add, though, that last night down here in Florida, I watched the hockey game on NBC, and uh, it was fair and balanced. It, there wasn't a lot of American rah-rah all about the American girls. They were really balanced, and they had a lot of good things to say about the Canadian girls and our program and how it works. And I was uh, sort of impressed from that standpoint. I'm getting back, yeah, but getting back to what Bill said about, you know, sort of China splaining to the American audience. Think about think about not only where the Olympics are, but what uh, what the American culture has been it's been so anti-China for for so many right. years now, going back to yeah. Trump, going back to, you know, the yeah. uh, the Republican Party using China as sort of the the new boogeyman for the American uh, you know audience, and then there they are, and it doesn't surprise me that part of their coverage was to go, well, we're here, but we don't. We just want you to know we're not completely supporting their, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not that doesn't make great television. No, and they don't want to promote the idea that there's a new superpower. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've been to Beijing, and it's an impressive city if you can see through the smog. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's stunning. Their highways and everything, it's quite a modern, uh, amazing place. But, uh, yeah, America's not really in a frame of mind to promote that. And then you've got, uh, of course, Russia threatening to invade a country during these games. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people are just like, wow, uh, you know, uh, what's on C what's on the FBI show? What's on, <laughs> right. you know, well, what's on anything else? You know why? Because I think you touched on it earlier. This is supposed to be an escape in troubled times, yeah. you know? Well, it, it just it hasn't unfolded that way. And I think, you know, let's segue to, you know, something we can all use, Bill, which is a laugh. Um, it's called is it is it last one laughing? LOL. Yeah, the, the, the LOL last one laughing because the idea is you have 10 comedians in a room and whoever can go the longest without cracking a laugh or a, even a smile yeah. is the winner. Uh, they've had international versions. You've probably seen the Australian one or other ones, but it's been around, and this is the first Canadian one. You know, and, and I want to talk about some of the – it's got a lot of great people, Dave Foley, Jay Baruchel, Tom Green, Kay Trevor – but there was a show years ago. Do you guys remember? It was called Make Me Laugh. And I think Howie Mandel, 
This, yeah. this would have been back. Billy, do you remember this back in the eighties? And it was, it was basically yeah. a, you, a comic would go up to a, a, a an audience member to, or a contestant and do all these things, make you know, make faces and tell jokes. And and if that person didn't crack up, they won. So how is this concept different? Well, it's just instead of them doing it to civilians, they're doing it to other comedians um, who many of them are like you look at Colin Mockery, who did whose line for 20 years. Yeah. And he's basically been trained not to laugh, you know, or to make his fellow comedians laugh. And so you would think he'd have an enormous edge in this show. Um, so it, it is kind of fun and interesting. You, you know, Baruchel's the host because he's an easy laugh. That guy, uh, he wouldn't last 10 minutes as a competitor. If it was who can swear the most, uh, Baruchel would have won hands down. <laughs> and I, I see a show like this, though, on Amazon Prime, and it's like, how do you get attention or audience in that sea of content? Like, it's it's tough, especially a show that's quote-unquote Canadian. Yeah, like, no, it's a good question, Fred. I don't know. I, I think... They have the rights, so they there was the first one was in Japan, and then there's a German yeah. last one laughing and a, uh, uh, a Italian. There's all these different. So I guess they've got, and, and you know, there's enough famous names in the Canadian mm-hmm. one that Americans it's simulcast. It'll be on in America's right as the same as it is in Canada. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, but you're right. You're up against. Uh, a lot uh, launching uh, these days. But, it's Billy, I, I'm still not sure what the... F- I've, I sort of tuned in, but I think I've seen a couple of seconds of it. I, uh, mm-hmm. What is the format, though? Because it, like like that Howie Mandel show, they sort of walked right up to people's faces and tried to get them to crack. So how are all these people going around pranking each other? How does it work? Yeah, kind of. So it's, it's sort of like Big Brother House. So they're in one big room, and there's couches, and there's you know, snacks. And there is a, a little presidium. There's a stage where they can go up and pretend it's the Tonight Show or do shtick. Right. There's windows that open. And so, uh, you know, you've got um, uh, Dave Foley doing the Tonight Show and, and, and different things, mockery. Uh, and then Tom Green just being insane, just running around <laughs> going, peanut butter sandwiches, peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, right. I- and and what what is interesting is mockery started to do some of the other a comedian's material back at them because his theory, Howard, I don't know if this is true. A comedian never finds anything as funny as his own stuff done back to him. Do you think that's true? Uh, maybe. Uh, I, st- I mean, I'm, I'm for sure. But I, like I said, I, I've, I've tried to figure out formatically a, an episode begins. Jay Baruchel welcomes us to the show. And then what happens? He leaves the room and okay. he goes into a, a big green room where the people that are eliminated eventually join him in the main room they're just sitting around and then spontaneously one by one or two at a time they start trying to make other people laugh and it could be that they do bits or material or they just act like it's uh, grade nine and doing what we all did in grade nine to each other Kind of like what Fred and I have been doing with each other for the last 32 years, just making fart jokes and trying to make each other laugh. A lot of fart jokes. All right. right. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you go ahead. No, I was was just going to, I was looking here as well. uh, From laughing to crying, the porter. Now, I have seen, Bill, you put this on your sheet. I've seen uh, the promos for the porter, and uh, it looks compelling. Haven't watched it yet, but obviously you have. 
I've seen the first two episodes. It starts uh, on Monday, and it's a uh, it's a very handsome show, and it's a pretty compelling story. Good acting, mm-hmm. um, you know. It, it's about the a uh, hundred years ago in the nineteen twenty. 1921, uh, there were um, black porters who worked for Canadian National Railway. Uh, these folks are basically out of Montreal. And there's an mm-hmm. a- it's all based on the actual history of this. Like in Montreal, there was a, a, a little Burgundy is the neighborhood, which where there was a lot of black settlement, a lot of it from the islands. And... Um, and, you know, uh, Oscar Peterson's dad was a porter, uh, folks that came in that area. So it's a, it's a story about these people who, um, you know, it, it, the traditional depiction of porters on movies from the 30s or 40s, uh, they're kind of cheap laughs or comic relief. They, these, mm-hmm. This story is about the heroic side of these people, how they were able to become uh, a union, the first black uh union in north america uh and um it's it's just very well produced yeah it sounds a lot like of it great music and and um howard it's shot in winnipeg and i'm sure you've been to the train station there. yes i have actually you know i was gonna say it's funny my mom i remember going to visit my grandparents in winnipeg taking the train from moose jaw to winnipeg and and we it was like my first ever overnight trip on a train we uh, i remember sleeping in one of those little huh. you know berths but cool but i was gonna say in 1920s winnipeg would have been when my parents were born and their parents had just come to canada um and i like the fact that it's shot there it's it's well they they Winnipeg doubles for Chicago for Montreal for Toronto and that old uh, station is still pretty intact and they also have they just happen to have old trains there they it's sort of a train museum uh, and so the scenes that are shot on board these beautiful old wooden trains uh, you know uh, they're very authentic because they found the real deal mm-hmm. and it really adds to the. Uh, the authenticity of, of the show. Before we let you go, HBO's got some projects coming up. Um, we can talk about a couple of them, but the one that I'm really looking forward to is Judd Apatow on George Carlin, because Judd did this ama- speaking of comedians, did an, a, yeah. an amazing job. If you haven't seen his documentary on Gary Shandling, go look it up right now. Yeah. Uh, fascinating, but it's going to be, because Apatow is not only a, a comedian, a uh, stand-up and a director, but he's a comedy nerd. And he, you know, his whole life has been, you know, um, in, involved in the world of comedy. And I can't wait to see what he's going to do with Carlin. Yeah, they've, uh, like with, uh, you know, uh, Shandling, he found all of Shandling's old uh, diaries. And, and if you watch that documentary, they actually, the words are right on the screen. With mm-hmm. Carlin, he's working with Carlin's daughter. Um, and uh, Carlin was going to write an autobiography before he died at 71 in 2008. And uh, so he left behind 23 hours of audio tape that he was using to work on a book. And so you really learn, because you don't really know George Carlin. Like, he commented on society, but you didn't hear him ever really talk about his wife or his daughter or his his own life. And so there will be much of that. And you'll also hear from his comedy peers, Chris Rock, other people who just really genuflect. Uh, uh, They take their hat off always to George Carlin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the evolution of George Carlin was fascinating from 
being funny to towards the end. I like the stuff, but that bitterness and that sometimes it wasn't even funny. It was just almost a sermon. Yeah. It was in the right. world, you know. And, and he was talking about. Um, that's what's spooky about this documentary mm. because he's talking about a pandemic. He's talking about politicians giving out red hats. He's talking yeah. about a lot of the stuff that's happening right now. That came yes. true, absolutely. Yes, mm. yeah, it's pretty incredible. But we're all of an age. Um, when you said uh, the evolution, Freddie, I thought you were going to refer to part of the the when you watch Carlin from the sixties. Carlin and Richard Pryor in the late sixties were just these sort of straight arrow stand-up comedians of the time. They were on Ed Sullivan and all the variety shows. And then Carlin especially just changed. Remember, he was the hippy-dippy weatherman. And then all of a sudden... The seven words. The seven, he, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of broke through in the early 70s, similar to what Lenny Bruce did in the 50s. And that's when I fell in love with Carlin. Because, of you know, when you're a kid, you like hearing somebody say dirty words. But, like, that was a big chance he took because he was pretty successful in that sort of character world and but i was always fascinated him and prior how they took you know sort of a chance with their careers and i think a lot of people forget that he was a bit of a groundbreaker in the in terms of the modern stand-up you know yeah Yeah, i was the same i that album class clown class clown exactly we all had he grew his hair long. He was the hippy-dippy weatherman. But then, Howard, and what the documentary shows is, he hit the wall with that, and he was seen as kind of washed up. When Saturday Night Live broke in 75, Carlin was an early host. But he, he went away for a while, and then he came back toward the end of the 70s when HBO started to do their um, comedy specials. Yeah. And he reinvented himself, and he was that was what was truly remarkable is how he became this voice of America for a lot of people that um, that was the brave bravest uh, transformation of all I think well you know his whole th- you know that whole bit on God I mean that even that was risky I mean when you oh, yeah. when you think of America and yeah. I mean that was brilliant I mean more profound than even funny. You know? Yeah. Well, but again, I, in America, to, to go there is risky. Well, and I was going to oh, say, yeah. that's that's what was always impressive to me, because I love the form, you know, stand-up comedy as a form, but you just you just nailed it. When, when a, a guy like him, prior to a degree, for sure, when you're, you know, and Chappelle's a little bit like that, a lot like that, yeah, actually, yeah, where you're yeah. profound and funny, and not everything you say is going for the joke, because believe me, you know, Char- uh, Carl- Carlin knew how to craft a joke, but later in his life, he was more in more seemed to be concerned with trying to craft a, um, a concept or a thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he was a wordsmith, and that comes out in this special, the care he put into crafting it all. I don't did you either of you guys see him live? I never, never? have. No, no, I, never I didn't. Did. No. I saw him once in Toronto toward the end of his routines, and uh, he had a music stand with his stuff on it because he'd literally smoked so much pot he could <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> One thing about Carlin's Bits, man, there's a lot of stuff there to remember. Some other stuff coming up in the spring. we got to let you go, but there's a, a couple documentaries quickly mentioned, Julia Child and Laker basketball in the 70s. That'll be cool. 
Yeah, it, it's coming up pretty fast. There's also uh, one on uh, Larry David's coming up right in a couple of weeks. But uh, the Laker basketball, Jerry West, if you remember that yep. character, mm-hmm. he ran the fabulous forum and he made the Lakers into the act that they were. Uh, John Riley uh, is playing him and it looks really good. A lot of famous names in that one. And uh, the Julia Child one, it'll take you back to the early days of television, her doing the French Chef. Uh, I saw, I've seen clips of them. They had press sessions with the actors this week and uh, really uh, HBO is on another roll. Well, listen, man, thanks for your time as always. Thanks, Bill, Bill Brio, we, as we began, we said that Bill is uh, the host of a podcast. And what's the name of that show there, fella? It's called Brio.tv, B-R-I-O-U-X.tv. And I got Colin Mockery on the podcast uh, this very week. Good for you. Good for you. And give our best to Colin. And uh, always uh, great catching up with you, Bill. Thanks for being part of our international program today. You Listen, thanks for having me. And you guys both enjoy the South. We will. We, you know Thank what? You we're, we're, Bill, here's the thing. It's not, it's not easy, but we're doing our best. Good for you. All right, pal. <laughs> There's Bill Brio. TV feeds uh, my family. Go look up, uh, you know, Bill Brio on the, the internet. He's there. He's everywhere. And now into his third year of podcasting. Congratulations on that. See you next time, my friend. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. See you later. Surely we'll screen out the sorrow, but where are you? Is this loud enough for you? You can hear that okay? Lovely. Just lovely. Okay. Dan Duran is coming back here, uh, just ahead of uh, Brett Tanner. I made a uh, bacon-wrapped uh, pork tenderloin last night. Nice. Yeah. That's uh, yellow and red. Uh, you know what? Uh, I guess the bacon was the red. Yes, and the pork is uh, yellow. Yeah. Well, again, it all depends on how you made it, too. Well, you know what I did? I just said, you know, I'm going to, I had enough calories left. I could pretty much have whatever I wanted. And so I did. Um, But I was going to do it on the barbecue. And then I talked to Rachel's dad. And I said to him, uh, how would you do this? Because he's into, you know, he loves to cook and such. And uh, I was going to, I thought, you know, how can I do this on the barbecue? All it's going to do is just catch on fire because it was a giant hunk of pork wrapped in more pork oh yeah the bacon the, the bacon it was grease so um mm. i said to him I, I was reading the directions and it's really simple you just sear it in a pan and then stick mm. the uh pork tenderloin in the oven and bake it and it was oh. delicious oh excellent except except my entire place around it just smells of pork like on i woke up this morning it's like oh yeah there's been pork cooking in here mm-hmm. um rachel's dad do you call him dad yet like hey dad i have this um this pork tenderloin <laughs> are you there yet i have this pork tenderloin how should i cook it oh um, no I dad don't, I, like you know he makes me call him mr hilton oh okay really no oh <laughs> No, no, I, uh, his name is Bruce. I call him Bruce. Brucey. Uh, yeah, and he loves to cook. And yeah, I had, a, I had to have a pork consultation because I thought, hey, Bruce knows pork. Have he knows you, how to cook Did you lay stuff. the line on him, pork me tender loinly? Did he I said that a couple times yesterday to oh, Rachel. Yes. Yeah, really? Not to her father. But yes, I was saying pork. Okay, we're having pork me tender loinly for the dinner. It was very nice. There's Dan Duran, everybody. Dan. Hey. Hey. Back. Getting close to the end of the show. Yeah, we've got another guest lined up here in a minute. 
Um, he's, oh. he's, that's fine. He's scheduled, uh, he's Brett Tanner. He's, uh, one of our supporters and he's scheduled for a few, I'm just trying to think he's scheduled for uh, seven minutes from now. Now, right. uh, Frederick, did you uh, yes. mention that Brio was our gig sky guest of the day yet? Yes, I did. You already did that stuff. Yes. I could tell you about Bodog right now. Okay. Would you do that for me? Uh, yeah, Bodog. Uh, tonight, your Maple Leafs are home, uh, I believe, against the Pittsburgh uh, Penguins. 50% capacity, which is good news for them. We're getting there by March 1st. It'll be a full crowd. Uh, Maple Leafs a puck and a half uh, favorite tonight. Uh, the Pens pay a $130 to win, and the over-under is 6.5. Okay. Yes, Bodog, all the major league sports and far beyond that. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, or a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment. Oh, yeah, they've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994, a Bodog. It's funny, um, we've had this conversation before about how. To people of a certain age, the 90s just seemed like yesterday, but 1994, it's like 30 years ago. Uh, this program also brought to you by GoDaddy, powering small business and entrepreneurs for over 25 years and servicing over 20 million customers worldwide. GoDaddy is where people come to get a domain, create a website, and everything else you need to get your business online. Yesterday, we had a great conversation uh, about the idea of your, you know, the gig economy. People, even if you have a regular job, lots of people have side hustles selling this and that. And this is a great way to take your side hustle online. No better time than now to do it with GoDaddy you can find your domain easily create your website and finally bring it to life if you've always wanted this kind of support now you can get it with GoDaddy's free and friendly 24-7 phone support they're also here to help you every step of the way you can even start your site for free with GoDaddy no credit card is even required all you gots to do is visit GoDaddy.ca and that's where you will as they say learn more and we're about to learn some stuff, Fred. You know why? Because it's... No. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran. Dan Duran time. A guy with a hella big wang. Yeah. The quintessential yeah. anchor man. <laughs> His voice is nice yeah. and low. <gasps> Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang So he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now, live from the Tundra of Peterborough, Ontario With Humble and Fred News Here's anchorman Dan Duran Americans are continuing to get in our face And I say, fuck off Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike Lindell tried to bring a truckload of pillows. I don't know. I heard as many as 10,000 pillows to give to the freedom fuckers in Ottawa. And uh, Canada said no at the border. I don't know. The paperwork was wrong or something. Apparently, he has a, he has a, uh, a factory, but it doesn't actually manufacture the pillow somewhere in, near Ottawa. But So he's bringing all these pillows up to give to the truckers. And he told the Daily Beast last night that he intends to drop his pillows now because he couldn't get him into Canada from a helicopter. Nice. With little parachutes attached. We need to get my pillows to the people, he said. Mm. And make sure you put that part in about the uh, the parachutes because it's dangerous. <laughs> it could be dangerous. 
Are you kidding me? Apparently, he's even he said he had a helicopter company ready to go with the whole damn thing. This this is like WKARP in Cincinnati yeah. time. I don't know how you drop a pillow from a helicopter. Well, if they couldn't get across the border, transporting them in a helicopter would be just as illegal or worse, would it not? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> and if you're flying a helicopter around uh, the House of Commons. Wouldn't there be a certain yeah, seat of yeah, the element a, with the... It's something called... We call it in aviation. Restricted airspace, you idiot. <laughs> you can't just fly a helicopter around our nation's capital. Again, another indication. If Mike Lindell is on their side, that, isn't that enough to tell you how fucking twisted and stupid this is? No, like, yeah. isn't Like, you know, there's a list of reasons why... You should wake up to this. Well, you guys, there's the latest one. Okay, and we were we were on a, our week off a couple weeks ago when Marjorie Taylor Greene called it uh, Hitler's gazpacho. Oh no, that was great. Yeah, yeah. It, like it, if that's who you support, and, and, yes. and even listen, even a dunderhead, a, a MAGA mm-hmm. dunderhead with a uh, yeah. who went to uni- went to community college knows it's not the gazpacho. So, again, you got the gazpacho lady, you got the pillow guy, and the list goes on and on. Matt Gates, the whole crew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's your team. You should be proud. Exactly. Wow. Uh, on our team is Anchorman Dandaran. Here's more news. All right. So I'm just going to throw this in there because I didn't hear about this. Uh, apparently it happened in August, but uh, I guess it's news now on CNN. They, they brought to, to light the fact that this Arizona secretary of state candidate, uh, Trump's pick, yep. uh, you know, he's been out there. COVID didn't exist. Called vaccine a crime against humanity. Which is, uh, you know, this is basic stuff. It's part of the new stupid normal. Yeah. Um, but he uh, he also shared an image in August of also claiming that an Al- that Alberta in Canada had lifted its COVID protocols. I guess in August, I don't know when they lighten things yeah, up yeah. a little bit before this release. Uh, they couldn't produce an isolated sample of SARS-CoV-2 to prove that COVID exists. <laughs> And so, you know, that's why they they uh, they lightened up the mandates because COVID doesn't exist. No, I read that story this morning. It's just another example of if that guy's on your team, right? Dan, but, yeah, yes, go ahead. No, and I'm I'm just saying, you and I, and I, Howard probably does too. We know a few nurses, and we know what they went through during yeah. the height of COVID. And this is what kills me about these people that, well, you know, discount that we shouldn't have had, you know, any um, measures uh, um, to fight off COVID or whatever. And it's just we know. that. And, and again, I have a couple of friends who have had parents die. Like, yeah. And when you hear stuff like that, it's just insulting. Well, not only is it insulting, and we got to wrap up down here in a second because Brett Tanner's standing by, but I'll just say not only is it insulting, but it's sort of hilarious to me because just because your opinion is that it doesn't exist doesn't make it not exist. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dan, come, come back yeah. in a bit here and we'll wrap this uh, show up for the week and get everyone right. ready for next week. Thank you for your service to uh, this a program. A little Geraldo Rivera uh, audio for us when we, uh, when we get back. Okay, can't wait. Um, yeah, we've got a couple other stories that we should get to. I'm not sure if we'll have time to talk about Prince Andrew is settling, uh, you know, like a lot of people that, uh, you know, are under fire. But let's talk to this gentleman right here, Brett Tanner from uh, the Chamber Plan. Man, it's sort of weird. Like, we're in the USA. Brett, where are you? I'm back home, actually. Are you now? Yeah. I, I was south for a bit and uh, came back to this wonderful weather. 
You know, we were talking about the fact this is our first time in the in the states in the last couple of years, but you've been you know coming back and forth a couple of times, and. And it's in, isn't when we both, I think we both have found it fascinating, Brett. Like just the average person down here is doing their part, and it's all we always just hear about the extremes. But for the most part, um, I have found it you know pretty easy to get around here. Most people are wearing masks and being respectful. And I, has that been your experience? Yeah, generally, generally speaking, uh, I mean, I've only been to Florida and New York since this started, and. Uh, in both cases, uh, New York's actually probably a little bit more conservative, so you'd see masks and in, in, in mask requirements more often. Florida doesn't have any requirements, but generally speaking, if you go through a Costco or something, half the people have a mask on. And um, But you wouldn't know there was a pandemic going on in, in either state. I mean, we didn't go anywhere the first year, but uh, since November, we've traveled a few times, mm-hmm. and it's been totally fine. Yeah, Brent, I'm in uh, Florida right now, and I said to Howard, I've, I've been pleasantly surprised, of course, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, COVID is over. Some would question whether it ever happened, as we just had on the news. But I, I'm, you know, there, there seems to be a mutual respect. It's like a lot of people do wear masks, and it's not like they're being ridiculed or you get weird looks. It's yeah. like, hey, if that's what you want to do, that's cool. Yeah, no one's made us feel uncomfortable at all. But yeah. let's, let's talk about the chamber plan and uh, something I think is going to be interesting for people to hear about and that's the idea of renewals let's talk about what they are how they work and how the chamber plan is actually uh leading the industry when it comes to renewals yeah it's um the chamber's plan because it's a pooled nonprofit program renews every april 1st for all its firms it's uh it's uh, had a consistent record of of um well below industry inflation renewals this year is no different. Ontario is 2.9%, nationally 39 Industry averages are close to 10% these days. So um, even for those with normal or decent claims, this is, you know, significant savings in terms of um, of how things are. Um, the other part is it's, it's obviously much more stable for the medium and larger firms where um, they, they do have, um, you know, some, some more significant claims. The partial pooling of the, of, of the program helps them to sort of maintain a stable renewal. It may not be that they get a three or four percent increase, um, and, and you know I'm, I'd probably note that probably seven percent of our our groups that are partially pooled were, were above ten percent. But those those would have been thirty, forty, fifty percent if they'd been in the market instead of maybe, maybe ten or fifteen percent with us. And that's key for a small business, right? Because obviously smaller businesses, you have to hold the line on costs and whatever. Um, it's significant. Well, it's, it's critical for businesses. I mean, we've got companies now with one in 200 employees on the program. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they came to us for that stability. They, they, they were tired of negotiating renewals that didn't seem fair and... And, um, you know, we, we just uh, um, we just had a firm that, that came to us for that reason. And we sort of made an exception, put them on they, they 250 or 300 employees right out of the gate. And uh, their first renewal was a decrease in premium. Again, as a nonprofit, we can't hold a surplus. So they had good claims. They got a, a decrease in their rates and, and they were ecstatic, of course. But but I mean, you know, that's not always going to be the case. Sometimes mm-hmm. their claims might be higher, sometimes lower. But, um, the, the, you know, the pooling offers that uh, buffer 
um, for when they have an unpredictable year. Well, and that's one of the things that we've learned as a small business. You know, we've been part of the chamber plan even before, as we've said many times in the show, even before you were our client, we were your client. And for smaller businesses where, you know, like any business, budgets are important that having a stable renewal is one of the things that attracts us and other small businesses to this plan because of the pooling. Give us a little idea, if you can, uh, some of the factors that come into play when when you're talking about market renewals. Sure. And like I, I kind of want to qualify the term small business because mm-hmm. really the chamber offers businesses under 10 a fully pooled um, environment where they're not claims rated at all. So basically, they've, they've got that sort of guarantee that each year it's going to go up three or four percent and that's it. Um, and then partially pooled, though, we're very strong right up to, you know, one to 200 lives. So mm-hmm. it's no longer really just a thing for the one and two person firm. It's 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 significantly um, uh, larger firms are, are able to sort of access the program and, and take advantage of it. OK, but uh, some, some of the factors, uh, you know, that come into play. And, and again, one of the reasons that principally our, our overhead, uh, our, our renewals are less is our overhead is less. So most of the carriers, they look for something called a target loss ratio. That's how much claims you, you, you make to how much premium you pay. And to, to be frank, if, if somebody's out there and they got a renewal where um, they were below their target loss ratio and they got a, you know, an increase or a significant increase, or the increase is more than the amount they were above their target loss ratio, they should get a second opinion because, frankly, that's probably – uh, there's probably room to negotiate that back down. Okay. Um, in in terms of other things, though, the, the carriers also collect a reserve. It's called a IBNR, incurred but not reported. You know, originally designed as as a way to sort of collect stuff when paper claims would come in after a plan terminated. So they'd collect the money to sort of pay those paper claims after the fact. But now that claims are electronic, it's kind of absurd to me that carriers collect ten percent. Mm-hmm. basically in in that particular category for a couple of years um what well, just as pay, an as an administrative that aren't going to happen is that you're saying those guys will claim that just for administrative purposes they'll collect that reserve and they'll use it and and uh, they'll factor that into the renewal and okay. basically it just becomes an extra margin now for some of them they really you know they might call it that but they're really using it probably as a buffer you know for those first year renewals because they don't know what the client's going to claim so they kind of sneak it in there that way but um you know it's still it's still the cost it's still part of the overhead of the plan and then you have to look at what the carriers and carriers will provide this if you ask them what's what's your trend or inflation rate Mm -hmm. and uh, you know typically we're seeing carriers are running health at uh, 13 to 15 percent and they're running dental at uh, some as low as four but generally five to eight and um you know, when you start to add that up, that's mm-hmm. generally around a 10% renewal for, for most firms, even if they've got good claims. And, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily have to be. Well, bottom line is the product is great. I mean, we use it. And I'm even, you know, I mean, there's dental, there's medical, there's uh, the physio and the therapies. But uh, even the travel insurance, which I was saying earlier this week, we're covered. And even that aspect of it is outstanding. It really is a cut above what you get probably uh, anywhere else. I guess, Brad, the bottom line, we've been trying to tell people, and, uh, and it's great to have you finally uh, pop in here. We, we love having chats with you. The bottom line is... Uh, whether you're a business like ours, a few employees, or you've got a few hundred employees, um, 
pooling and and renewals those are part of your business plan and and the chamber plan offers uh, a chance for companies to keep those costs down isn't that the takeaway today it is uh you know generally with with less overhead and being a not-for-profit the you know the the renewal emphasis is based on sustaining the program not not adding additional margins so it's it's very fair renewal it doesn't mean that somebody that has opted for partially pooled and has 25 employees and bad claims won't see an increase but they won't see an increase like they would have seen had they been out in in the general marketplace so you know it's gonna it's gonna be buffered and it's gonna be far more consistent for them to budget every year and that's what we want people to understand from this conversation that you know you know we talked about a lot of different aspects of the chamber plan but the basics are this you know it keeps your costs down it's predictable the renewal is better than the industry average and if you want more information go to chamberplan.ca brett tanner uh, always appreciate your uh, support of the program, and uh, we we love the fact that Humble and Fred listeners have have taken up the the Chamber Plan over the last few years. And again, thanks for uh, popping in today, and I hope you stay well wherever you are. Thanks, guys, and I uh, hope hope to talk soon. And uh, you know, this year we'll have to get our our round in. That <laughs> That's right. Get in last year. Yeah, is, um, I guess planning is underway for the tournament. Is uh, we can assume that. Yes, yes, we uh, will probably announce that soon, but we're looking at, uh, you know, probably a June date this year. Cool. Yeah, that was the last time Fred and I played in your tournament. Was that when you, uh, did you hit that? Was that the last time you, we played and you hit that guy or you hit into those people? <laughs> was that? Who, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you, Fred. Oh, no. <laughs> I thought you were talking to Brad. No. <laughs> Didn't, wasn't there a hole where... Your ball dribbled into a group ahead of us. No, I was looking, and I thought the hole was to the left, but it was actually to the right. It was a, a quirky little thing where right, a little dog leg or something. Yes, um, <laughs> yes, my mistake, and uh, I, I I apologize profusely. Please well, everyone's still me alive. And I'm me back. <laughs> What's that, Brad? Everyone's what? Everyone's still alive. It's all yes, good. exactly. <laughs> uh, Brett Tanner, all the best to you. Thanks for dropping in this morning. The Chamber Plan, one of the uh, supporters of this program, and we want you to support them. Chamberplan.ca. Brett, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right. Thanks, Brett. I'll tell you what, man. It's been such a great thing for this company. I, I um, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, the whole idea of, of submitting claims, it used to be such a drag. You know, when we had to do it through paper, you'd have right. to send it in. I did some uh, submitting of some claims for physio and such before I came down here. It's just amazing. You just, you can do it on your phone. The app, we don't talk, you know, I'm going to talk to him. I don't think we talk enough about how easy it is to use the um, the functionality of the chamber plan. You know what I'm talking about? You just take a picture of the claim, you submit it, and, and it goes right into your account I mean, it really is a, 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 there's a bunch of reasons you should do it, but that's, that's well, one of them. Yeah. And like communication, like even the Teladoc system, like how quickly you can be talking to someone or if you even have questions about the program. Right. And again, I mentioned the travel thing. I mean, we're in the middle of that now. And if you take a, a look at what the chamber plan offers for travel and like, you know, forget your credit card. I mean, really, yeah. it's like it's ridiculous well think about the last time i was down here it's 180 days of 180 days of full medical coverage when i was here two years ago and i was in the hospital for six days you know i've hinted at the number 
But it was a large sum of money that I didn't have to worry about. And I didn't. And I will tell you, between Rod Johnson, our our, um, advisor and uh, and the plan itself, it was it couldn't have gone more seamlessly. Um, And anyway, that that alone, just the travel alone. Go check it out, everyone. Yeah. Um, And I imagine the prescriptions you got for your stinging pee hole were covered by the chamber plan, of course. Mm hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm on. <laughs> well, in the middle of the Bill Brio interview, I had to get up and go pee. No, I know because I have urgent and frequent urination. You know, our buddies like uh, Brett, Brett and Rod Johnson, how happy they are to know that they've brought you relief. You know, they're good guys. You know, I'm on week four, by the way, of this antibiotic for my stinging pee hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's four weeks. You know, when I was thinking about this the other day, when I was younger, you know, the odd, the odd time you needed an antibiotic, you got a, like a four or five day, maybe a seven day course of antibiotics. And you were usually by day three, whatever you had was cleared up. Of course. Yes. I'm into week because four. You had a young, strong body to support <laughs> That's it. Right. Oh, no, nothing, nothing, nothing. Now, I can't make it through the show if I drink too much coffee without having to go urination. Jesus. Anyway, maybe you should, uh, you know, build in a a break to the show so that you can do this now. Because apparently, I may you have to. An hour and a half. Huh? Oh, I may See, have we're to. not all like yeah. you, Dan. We can't, you know, oh, anywhere in the house. All right, exactly. <laughs> Just unroll it into another room and then up and into the toilet. <sighs> that would be nice. See, Dan, we're not all as lucky as you. You know, I have to actually get up and go to the bathroom. You can just send your wiener on its own. <laughs> oh, so oh, immature. Dan. Immature. All right, now to uh, wrap up the Dan Duran news. Here once again is the one and only Dan Daru. Daniel? Hey, we're talking about uh, stuff that's going on and and uh, Americans getting involved in our shit. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, workers are installing new fencing in front of Parliament uh, and Ottawa police say actions to remove the Freedom Convoy. Demonstrators are just days away. Within within days, it'll be uh, be acted upon. Uh, but over at Fox News, the uh, the five a collection of smart people acting stupid, uh, which also includes Geraldo Rivera, were chatting about our little situation in Ottawa and uh, you know doing whatever. But all, oddly. Geraldo stepped in and defended what's normal in Canada and not the uh, the freedom protesters. So I'll play a little bit of this. Tell you know, just call me when you're when you're tired of, of listening to uh, into their ranting. Here we go. Okay. This freedom convoy. What about the freedom of the homeowners to live in peace? What about the freedom of the shopkeepers to do business? What about the freedom of the auto workers to get parts so they Did can put their cars Did you say this when in? they were burning down the federal courthouse in Seattle for two months? I did more than that. I condemned it. I condemn anybody who who feels so... It, in, in, but what violence no, are they so empowered that they can take away your rights to establish their rights? What That's rights are they I, taking away? They're taking away the right of the homeowner to sleep in peace, the right of the shopkeeper to do business, where are you the right of the this? auto workers where to get parts. Where are you seeing these rights their, being taken away? They're not parked in front of people's houses. They are absolutely parking in the middle of the night. They're <laughs> actually being welcomed. You, you are it is conservative media. You have one person you're talking to in Canada. It is conservative media that 
that yes. is that is has gone from support to incitement. Mm. Good for him. Okay. Violating the rights. All of right, I, I've had enough. Yeah. yeah, good for. By the way, good for him. <laughs> I, that Greg Gutfeld fucking guy. I can't stand him. No, I know. You know what? He's such a fucking creepy little twerp and so disappointed in Howard Stern because he went on one day and said, oh, I find yeah, that great Gutfeld. He's, uh, I like watching him. He's yeah. funny. And no, I'm thinking, not. what? No, don't disappoint me. He's not funny. He's fucking misinformed. Hear what he just said. They're not parked in people's front of people's uh, in front of people's yeah. houses. Of course, the American <laughs> mentality where people don't live downtown, yeah. right? Because... What did Geraldo say there? There, it's great. The, he made a great point. Conservative media has gone from something to something. There, I, I thought that was really well, whatever that was, and I know it was thirty seconds ago, so I can't remember. But it was, uh, it was very well said. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what he said? No, not not specifically, but yeah, he I'd gone gone from support to incitement. Yes, yes. That's it. Yeah, that's it. And and the fact is, I love how they shout over him for for offering right. any opinion that doesn't line up with the incitement fucking network. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, no, I know they're they're evil fucks. Because he's making the point we've made. He's making the point like these guys, the Freedom Convoy went across the country for whose freedom? It's not mine. Uh-huh. And 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 those poor people in Ottawa. Homeowners, we business owners had to shut down, but those those idiots on the five they don't care about that because it doesn't line up with the narrative of this mm-hmm. is right and that's wrong. It just gets yeah, it just gets back to the thing. It's the default, right? It's like you just choose your side, even if it's stupid, and you know it is. Yeah, you just you know you go with your side and uh, and bullshit your way through it, and that's just what they're doing. They don't know what's going on up here, and even yeah, of course they don't. And even if they were shown video of trucks parked in front of businesses and business people saying this is, they wouldn't believe it. I don't know, man. It's a, it's frustrating. Well, they wouldn't show it. They wouldn't show it. And then, and then, yeah. but those people that those people on the panel know that Geraldo's making a good point, but they just shout him down mm-hmm. so that no one listening thinks they agree mm-hmm. with him. Mm-hmm. Dan Duran, look what you've done. Look what you've yeah. done. <laughs> you know, in that Greg, and there's another asshole named Jesse Walter uh, Waters. Yeah, Have you yeah. seen him? Yeah, yeah, the black-haired guy. Well, they've given him the seven o'clock, uh, seven o'clock slot, and he's just a fucking asshole too. And Gutfeld's got his own like uh, news no, uh, no, no, yeah. s- uh, comedy thing every night at eleven o'clock, and it's like, you know, how, that's how they recruit at Fox. Let's go out and get the most despicable, unlikable creeps to. You know, gather the the audience from America's underbelly. I mean, that's their that's their their key to success. That's yeah. their business plan. It's sickening. Um, by the way, I was in a Ralph's yesterday. I mentioned that. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a Ralph's? It's a grocery store. Oh, you know? okay. It's somewhere between a Sobeys and a. I don't know. It's like that. Um, I've been in one. Yeah. Wow. I'm just looking here. I was in a Ralph's yesterday, and and when we were talking about masking up, and uh, I was Rachel sent me on a, a mission to go get some things, so I was separated from her, and I was in this section, uh, the produce section, and uh, all of a sudden I started seeing people without masks. Mm. For the first time since we've been down here, I was like, oh, that's weird. And I, so I saw one woman. I thought, oh, you know, there's a Karen or whatever, you know. And then I saw a few more people, and finally. 
it was like, wow, uh, something happened. So I said to the checkout person, I said, you know, is, is there, do you guys enforce these mask policies? He said, well, the uh, mandates were dropped as of today. I was like, what? Apparently, I'm just looking for the, apparently California has begun to loosen its mask requirements. Um, but I can't see that if I can't see it officially, but, um, well, lucky them. Yeah. I said the day that they announced that in Ontario, mine's coming off. I mean, I followed the science all the way. And if the science says you can take them off, mine's coming off. Uh, The reason I brought it up is because of that. I thought, Mm -hmm. you know, because Rachel made the point and I agree with her, like for a while, I think I'm going to keep mine on just to be safe or, but I will tell you, it's going to be weird seeing people more than just one the you know we've all seen the occasional person but seeing a so, bunch of people was kind of it was weird it was interesting so, not bad just weird if you keep it on for a while what will be your criteria what will be your it's safe now numbers or just feel just feel i think i think uh you know i like go i don't think i'll be traveling on an airplane anytime soon without a mask on hmm. yeah yeah Again, it gets back to each to their own, you know? It's like whatever makes you feel comfortable. Um, you know, and we wear masks to protect other people's space. And when the science says you don't no longer have to do that, you know, you've got, you, we're going to have to accept that. Looking at people without masks. Just, uh, you know, <laughs> the way it is. Um, finally, uh, the, uh, in royal news, Prince Andrew, mm-hmm. the Queen's uh, second son, has uh, settled a sexual abuse case, but he's going to donate uh, by donating to this woman's charity, even though he f- claims he never met her or has nothing to do with her. Yeah. She sued uh, Andrew in August. The American accused the seconds, uh, we Queen's the second oldest son of sexually abusing her while she was underage traveling with Epstein. And as I said to you before the show began, you know, because most people that are that, you know, that I, I have never settled a sexual abuse lawsuit. Neither of you or Dan. Nope. Anyway, I just found it interesting. Howard, she, the Queen's paying for it. Apparently it's a couple of million, right? Yeah. And where Queen does that had, money? Where does that money come from? Well, from the Queen's, you know, bank account, obviously. Yeah. But in, and, yeah, no, well, it's, basically, yeah, it's yeah. the it's the English, you know, citizens of the UK that are paying that. Actually. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. He's saying. Um, uh, Andrew said, uh, uh, according to uh, Andrew, acknowledged that Epstein trafficked countless young girls over many years, and said the print regret, prince regrets his association with Epstein and commends the bravery of Mrs. Uh, Giffery and other survivors in standing up for themselves and others. Well, yeah. there you go. And you know what the spin is? Like I saw it on TV yesterday. It was like, oh, see, it was all about the money. You know, monarchists, people that stand behind the royal family, they're mm-hmm. going, yeah, see, it was all about the money. He didn't do it. She just wanted money. And it's yeah, like, of course. And then it gets back to what you say. <laughs> if he's innocent, why would <laughs> exactly. they pay her? Because that's what innocent people do. They go, I'm, I didn't yeah. do anything, but here's some money to your charity. Yeah. Oh, uh, right. God. 
Um, well, I do have another thing about that is I'm, I'm sure it is a little bit about like getting rid of this, uh, uh, getting it off the uh, the docket because oh, yeah. of her birthday coming up, and they don't, they don't need any more scandal. Oh know, no, because it's just not a trial and all the rest of that going in front of the world while they're trying to celebrate her uh, her oldness. Yeah. Um, I thought we'd end the week. I know that, you know, we're not the biggest fans of uh, Trevor Noah and The Daily Show as it is now, but there are some pretty funny moments here, and I've been saving this clip uh, to kind of round out the week. We started off ranting about the Freedom Convoy, and here's a clip from The Daily Show. What do right now as, as a non-vaccinated person? I live in Quebec, so it's a bit more intense than other places in Canada, but look, I can't go skiing, I can't go to Walmart, I can't go to Canadian Tire, I can't go to Home Depot, I can't go to restaurants, I can't go to bars, I can't go to the gym. And because you're not vaccinated, have you... Is there business? Is there stuff you can't do in Canada now? Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, well, basically, if you want to compare Canada uh, to anything, it's like uh, Hitler's Germany, and we're like the Jews, eh? <laughs> See, this is why we shouldn't be banning books. Because now- okay, so what you heard is, they, so just quickly, Trevor Noah comes on and says, this is why we shouldn't be banning books, and then he has this joke, listen. This is why we shouldn't be banning books. Because now this guy thinks that the Holocaust is when you can't take a shit in a Tim Hortons. <laughs> I, uh, I just love that line. The Holocaust is like when you can't take a shit in a Tim Hortons. Yeah. I wish yeah. I'd written that joke. Because mm-hmm. that's not the Holocaust. Yeah. Fucking idiots. That's something else. <laughs> okay. and, you know, really, to Laurie Goldstein and... And uh, Joe Warmington and Richard Surratt, that's your, that's who you're defending. That's right. That's Go your guy. Boys, that's who you're defending. Yeah. And, and all those people, if you can watch that clip and think that that guy's got a point. Yeah, we're like, what were you called? So think of the Jews, eh? Like they were killed and we're just like the Jews. Yeah. All right. You know what? It's been a great week. Uh, a lot of fun doing the show in three different countries or two different countries and three. Well, it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's been fun. And we're back uh, now. We respect uh, Canada Day too much to work on Monday. So we're back on Tuesday. Dan Duran, everybody. <laughs> This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, Doer, and our newest sponsor, GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and don't forget the Hypocrisy Tour continues on Tuesday. Yes, sir. There's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know. A place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow, pulling out Jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, or just clap your hands, or just clap your hands.